yesterday morning, as soon as I hit post on yesterday's podcast, I got the uh, news alert on my phone that Jerry Springer had passed away at the age of 79. Uh, I believe it was pancreatic cancer. He was diagnosed just a few short months ago. And um, that... Uh, yesterday's show probably would have been all about Jerry Springer. He's one of those people that you, you, you kind of forgot about until you hear about he either pops up on TMZ or, or, or you hear about his passing. And uh, it, it really just brought me back to how wild the 90s were with, with talk shows, right? Um, they all kind of started off as, as, as serious, um, you know, hard-hitting news programs. Uh, like Jerry Springer's did at first, like like Phil Donahue was um, when he pioneered the format. And then once you kind of got into the, the, the 90s, all these um, talk shows kind of found their lowest common denominator niche, whether it's uh, it was Jerry Springer with the fights and the chair throwing. And um, I've never been so mad at somebody that I, I ripped all my clothes off in order to fight with them, but uh, that happened frequently on the Jerry Springer show. And I'm sure guests were encouraged to do this by the producers uh, because uh, obviously it was good for ratings. Maury Povich, who was on the Today, the Today Show, who said that his show's been off the air for years, and it's still receiving just as good of ratings in syndication as it did when it when it was uh, being taped live. He had the paternity tests. And uh, Sally Jesse Raphael, I remember watching her every uh, afternoon when I got out of school at 3 o'clock. Uh, she, she kind of uh, got gained a niche by having uh, drill sergeants come out and, and yell at, at troubled teens. And uh, it, it, was, it, was kind of, it was a moment in time. And for, for some reason, although these, these shows became really, as, as what people said, trashy, um, I mean, the Jenny Jones show led to a murder after um, one man brought another man onto the show uh, to profess his love for him. The, this guy was freaked out, and he was homophobic, and, and he killed the man. Um, but outside of that, even though these, these shows were very salacious, shocking, over-the-top after a while, probably mostly staged, it, it kind of brought me back to a simpler time when the sideshow was on TV and the sideshow was was a slice of life of, of other people. And actually, I got into a pretty good discussion, obviously, I posted about this yesterday. A friend of mine named CJ said, I would rather watch three hours of Jerry and Maury than 15 minutes of political arguments or celebrities gushing over each other and playing board games. 90s daytime TV was mindless popcorn escapism that had no impact on anyone's life when the episode ended. It served its purpose and did so incredibly well. And I think he hit on something. You know, this sideshow, this sensationalism, it was reserved for these talk shows. It was a slice of life. It was a slice of somebody else's life. You'd be watching this on TV and saying, whew, thank God that's not me. <laughs> thank God that's not anybody that I know. And I really feel like these, um, I, I, can't, I, I don't want to keep calling them trashy, but I, I can't find a, a, a kinder word. Um, it, it seems like the principles from these trashy TV day, daytime talk shows have been transferred and are being employed by our cable news talk shows. All right, instead of uh, these just being a bunch of rednecks who 
um, you know, are destroying each other. Now these people, uh, now these people are quote unquote in charge, right? They're running the world and they're coming after you and your family, or at least that's what your Fox news is and your CNN wants you to believe. So I think it feels like it was a more innocent time because the trashiness was contained, right? It was, it was on for two or three hours in the middle of the day. It was very easy to avoid, you know, just don't, just don't turn on, uh, um, you know, any of the antenna TV stations between the hours of like 10 and 3 p.m. And, and you wouldn't have to, uh, you wouldn't have to be subjected to it. But now we're subjected to it all the time because it's the way TV is made. And what used to be boring and substantive TV, like our new shows, um, has, has now replaced the 90s trashy talk show as what our discourse is. And I, I, I think that's why um, we feel like we're living in a simulation. I think that's why we feel like... Um, the movie Idiocracy, if you haven't seen it, go see it by Mike Judge, um, is coming to pass a lot sooner than normal. Um, so, uh, you know, mixed thoughts on Jerry Springer. Uh, it, from all accounts, he was a very kind man. Um, he started out as obviously the mayor of Cincinnati, and then he started doing local news in Cincinnati as a serious um, journalist. And then, uh, like I said earlier in the show, um, when he launched the Jerry Springer show in 1991, he tried to cover political substantive um, issues. But us as the American public, we said, "Now nah, that's boring nerd stuff. Let's bring out uh, let's bring out the 600 pound people who are in a love triangle and let's watch them throw chairs at each other and let's uh, watch them uh, take their clothes off and fight. And then Maury, you can do the paternity tests. Um, Ricky Lake, you can talk about bullying. Um, I, I, to be honest, I can't remember what Montel Williams angle was. Maybe that's why, uh, he, though he was successful, he's not mentioned in the same breath as the Mount Rushmore of trashy daytime TV. But, uh, look, uh, you know, Jerry Springer at times seemed like he was just as flabbergasted at the success of his lowest common denominator show as everybody else. You know, it's probably why Nirvana hated Smells Like Teen Spirit because you put you put all your time and energy into something uh, that you think has substance and, and is important and is helpful to the world. And all people want is... All people want are people uh, throwing chairs at each other and fighting. And uh, eventually it had to have gotten pretty easy to do the Jerry Springer show and these daytime talk shows because um, after a while, I think Jerry, Jerry Springer's actual um, time on microphone on his show, I, I think it probably got reduced to about five minutes. He would uh, bring a guest out. He, you know, they would, they would, they would kind of set up the story. And then the rest of the time would be... Um, a uh, bunch of swearing, beeping out, and the crowd chanting "Jerry, Jerry, Jerry." Even Steve Wilkos, the uh, uh, security guard on the Jerry Springer show, became a star in his own right, and he got a talk show. So, just a wild, wild time. Um, it was it was the modern vaudeville sideshow, 
and uh, Jerry Springer. My favorite thing was Jerry Springer would always try to bring a little substance to the show uh, by doing his final thought, and then he would say, "Take care of yourself and each other." Uh, after uh, you know, everyone on stage was just escorted out for throwing various peaches pieces of stage furniture at each other, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, even though uh, it, it was totally vapid and, and a horror show in the time, I look back on it fondly. So rest in peace, Jerry Springer. The first round of the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, and uh, by far my favorite commentary was by my friend Chuck on Facebook, uh, who posted that, I don't know any of these players, so I have no opinion on uh, on any of these picks, which made me feel seen. Um, as I said yesterday, I'm not a huge draft guy, but it turns out I don't really need to be because uh, the Lions' first pick was a surprise to everybody, and most people aren't happy. Uh, the Lions, they entered last night with the number sixth pick. Um, that was the Rams' pick that they got. Uh, for trading Matthew Stafford away two years ago. Matthew Stafford, as we know, won the Super Bowl, and then the Rams took a dump last year. So really that deal kind of has worked out for everybody, especially with Jared Goff uh, playing at a Pro Bowl level. Um, So they traded that pick away to the Cardinals, and a lot of people were theorizing that they traded that pick away to the Cardinals because at number five, the pick before the Lions were supposed to uh, make their pick, the Seahawks took corner cornerback Devin Witherspoon which uh, everyone was saying was what was the odds on favorite for the Lions to take at uh, number six that surprised me I thought Jalen Carter was the was the pick everyone was looking at Uh, give Aiden Hutchinson uh, some help on the other side of the D line as the other edge rusher Um, and and you know kudos to Brad Holmes for being able to uh, pull a deal that fast. I don't know if the deal was on that table and Brad Holmes was waiting to see who was available at six, but nonetheless, they traded their uh, number six pick for number 12 and an early um, second round pick. I think it's 34, but don't quote me on that. So at number 12, what were they going to do? Were they going to pick another cornerback? Were they going to pick uh, an edge rusher? Uh, no, they went with uh, running back Jameer Gibbs out of uh, Alabama. And this pick itself was not only a universal surprise. It's been universally panned. And uh, I I hope, you know, in the past, um, some of the Lions GMs have been accused for being uh, too smartest guy in the room. Like, uh, they, they wouldn't make the easy pick that would help the team the most. They were trying to outthink everybody and, and justify their salary and, and the fact that they were an NFL general manager. But I think at, to this point, I think Brad Holmes has earned the benefit of the doubt, at least for me. Um, you hope that Brad Holmes sees something in Jameer Gibbs that we don't. Um, a lot of people are saying that he probably would have still been there at 18. He probably still would have been there in the second round. Um, and I don't know what the Jamison Williams suspension, what effect that had on the draft. I don't know if you draft based on a temporary situation, um, but you know his rushing stats were pretty good. I mean, he had a high. Uh, I, I think it was in the six yards per game, uh, yards per carry. But he also led the Crimson Tide in um, in receptions. So you know maybe there is there is a little um, element of that. I don't think so. 
Um, I, 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 a lot of people are theorizing that this is to maybe light a fire under, um, I almost said Taylor Swift, uh, DeAndre Swift, the running back. A lot of people think that uh, uh, they did this so they could use DeAndre Swift as trade bait. Um, or maybe they just wanted someone like an Elvin Kamara uh, who can make a lot of uh, who, who can make a lot of receptions out of the backfield. I don't know. Um, all I all I can say is I hope that Brad Holmes proves us all wrong on this pick. At 18, they took Jack Campbell, obviously linebacker out of Iowa. Um, Mazzy Smith, the only, as far as I know, he was the only um, college football player who played in the state of Michigan, who went, uh, of course, he got into a little trouble during the season um, as he was caught driving with a concealed weapon before he got his uh, concealed weapons permit. And I I remember at the time, I didn't necessarily have a problem with Mazzy Smith being let off something that could have been, uh, I think it could have been a felony. Um, Because from all accounts, he was very cooperative. He was very... um, polite and and worked with the police officers and gave them no trouble. My problem was the fact that Jim Harbaugh kept this all secret all the while, you know, scolding and, 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 and acting like he's all morally righteous over the rest of the big 10, especially after the tunnel incident. But I digress. And, uh, Jalen Carter, where did Jalen Carter go? I think he was picked after 12. I have the, uh, the draft here. Let me just do a little search here. Yeah, Jalen Carter went nine, so he wasn't there. He wasn't there at 12, and obviously the Lions didn't want him bad enough to keep their their pick at six. So they add a linebacker at 18. Again, defense, which was a need, but wasn't uh, the edge rusher everyone was hoping for. Um, I got to say, the other surprise to me is how surprised everyone is that Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky, um, didn't go in the first round. Especially because uh, last I heard, Will Levis, he was like, uh, he was plus 3,500 or plus 4,000 to go number one. Some random person on Reddit in one of these Reddit um, gambling subreddits, pardon me, made up a, 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 my guess is a complete fabrication saying that he knew someone who knew somebody who talked to Will Levis's family and he was definitely going to go first, number one overall to Carolina. And so just like that, as soon as that uh, post was made on Reddit, he went from like being plus 3,500, plus 4,000 to like plus 400 of going uh, number one overall. And there were three quarterbacks picked in the first round, obviously number one, uh, Bryce Young from Bama, number two, C.J. Stroud, and then Anthony Richardson from Florida. So um, that would have been four quarterbacks in the first round. And I don't know if all these pundits um, have been following this closer than me, but I was under the in- impression that Will Levis wasn't really touted as a first-round, uh, at least early first-round pick until this Reddit post was was put up there. So he'll get drafted, I'm sure. I, I, I feel bad for the kid, actually. I feel like he was punked. Um, as far as I know, he wasn't planning on being in New York for the draft. And then once his line moved up on all the sports books that he might be picked number one, the poor guy got a suit and went to New York. And he's probably humiliated being there. And, uh, you know, 
today on Get Up, they were talking about Lamar Jackson, who is um, now the highest uh, paid player in NFL history after he got his uh, deal done with uh, Baltimore, and Jalen Hurts, who was the highest paid player in NFL history until um, Jamar, Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson's deal got done. Um, they were both second rounders. So there's no shame in being in the second round, but I feel bad that this kid got all dressed up. He wasn't planning on going to New York because he probably didn't expect to be picked in the first round. Uh, he got there, and he just kind of sat there. So maybe uh, maybe he'll get one of those Brady-sized chips on his shoulder and uh, use it to his advantage. All right, what day is it? It's it's Friday, right? Um. It's Friday, yes, I just double-checked that. And uh, this next story I'm about to read happened on Monday, and we have not heard uh, a single thing about it. And normally I'm not big uh, on, on reading articles on the show. I think it's kind of lazy, but um, this article is very well written. And um, just about <laughs> the more I read this article, it's short, but the more I read this article, the more effed up and crazy the story got. Uh, it's from MLive. The headline, 600-pound bull killed after seven-hour police chase across Michigan Island. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe it's like Manitou Island. Maybe it's uh, that island across the, uh, across the way from Mackinac uh, where, you know, it's just a bunch of wilderness and, and uh, there's no people there and they just wanted to kill this bull because maybe it would have been a, um, a, a threat um, to the other wildlife on the, the island, or maybe the bull itself was not equipped to live by itself on an island. No, this one's Gross Seal, which is a very highly populated island um, with a lot of neighborhoods um, downriver. Uh, it's mostly affluent, but uh, it, there, there are some other you know upper-middle-class houses. Uh, I'm just going to read this. is by Brandon Chapton. A large runaway bull... Brandon Champion, I'm sorry. A large runaway bull had to be euthanized after it went on a dangerous tour of a Metro Detroit neighborhood. According to the Gros Seal Police Department, the bull, estimated to, between, uh, to be between 500 and 600 pounds, was spotted running near Lowry and Ferry Road at 12.42 p.m. on Monday. Six police officers, two animal control officers, a veterinarian, several firefighters, residents, and the bull's owner attempted to wrangle the animal for seven hours before the decision was made to put the bull down. Attempts to use fencing, a portable round pen, and ropes were unsuccessful, police said. An animal control officer was injured in the process. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, the bull was demonstrating unpredictable behavior according to police, probably because there's a freaking bull running around in a neighborhood. And the situation was further complicated by the presence of children, motorists, and domesticated animals in the area. Bull was spotted running through yards on patios across roadways, drawing more and more people to the area and increasing the risk of harm to the public and reducing the ability of first responders to control the animal. Um, I would be the opposite. I would not be running towards the bull. I'd be running the hell away from that bull. Eventually, the owner gave permission to euthanize the ball. Once it was in a safe area, an officer put the animal down, the police said. The Gross Eel Police Department is investigating along with the Michigan Department of Agriculture. Uh, number one, I feel for the ball. The ball was put down the ball. It was not the ball's fault. It was the ball's owner fa owner's fault. 
uh, for not keeping it successfully detained, and the bull had to die because the owner was negligent. Um, it's five days later. Uh, it's still being investigated by the Department of Agriculture. Uh, I'm going to guess they're not going to um, to be very aggressive in the search because the bull has been neutralized and there's really not more of a threat. Uh, but you got to wonder, you know, how, number one, did this bull live on Gros Seal and it got out or or did it get out and make its way across one of the two covered bridges? And if it was the pay bridge, uh, did he have to pay the toll or did he get across for free? Um, it, it's, it, it's kind of an odd story. I mean, obviously it is an odd story. A couple weeks ago there's a story about a horse running free um, in uh, in downtown Detroit. Well, not downtown Detroit, but inner city Detroit. And here this bull got out and uh, obviously he had to be euthanized. Uh, because uh, he was be because you know you you had to save property, save possible lives, save possible injuries, and save uh, death to um, you know other domesticated animals. Doesn't sound like there were any injuries or 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 any damage to property. But like Chris Rock said about the tiger uh, who went crazy on Siegfried or Roy. Um, that bull didn't go crazy. That bull went bull. And uh, it's a bummer that he had to pay for his life for whoever was in charge of him's negligence, keeping him um, confined to a safe area.